wherever you may be. Welcome inside the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alvstead, and featuring Seahawks sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to the Hawks Playbook Podcast. I am your host, Bill Alvstead, and we are featuring again Seahawks writer and football analyst, Keith Myers. Good morning. Good morning, Bill. How are you? I am doing doing very well, very well indeed. The uh, the eclipse happened. I guess that was the big news, other than the the game last week. The big news this week was the eclipse. Where did you uh, spend the eclipse day? I spent the eclipse day in my backyard, staring at the sun. Uh, so no, I didn't go any didn't go anywhere special. We had a, we had a pretty good view of what was going on. We didn't get. Um, you know, to see the total uh, eclipse, it's like ninety eight point eight percent or whatever it was here. Yeah. Uh, so we didn't get the full thing. The stars didn't come out. We didn't get to the three hundred and sixty degree uh, sunset, but it was still pretty cool. So. Um, yeah, us too. I mean, we stayed around uh, town. We were at ninety nine point four, and that's what I told all my friends. I said ninety nine point four is good enough for me, and uh, so we stick stuck around. I had a whole bunch of neighbors though take off and. Uh, they said traffic wasn't <clears throat> too bad. It was kind of like getting out of uh, a Blazer game or, uh, you know, out of a concert or whatever. You know, it was a mad rush to get out. But once traffic got going, it wasn't too bad. And uh, the, the path of totality people uh, said the experience was, was amazing. And I'm sure it was. But um, let's get back to Seahawks stuff. So right at the top of the show, you know, we're going to kind of do a, a, a little game review, mostly uh, player review where players are at um, at this point during uh, the preseason and kind of look forward to uh, game three <clears throat> with the Kansas City Chiefs at home against Seattle this Friday night and uh, that game three as we all kind of know is a real important game because it kind of defines um, some of the the bubble roster spots as well as is kind of a fine tuning for the starting offense and defense to get ready for the the regular season. Uh, but first up uh, in the news this week, the first item uh, I wasn't going to lead to uh, lead with, and then I thought about it a little bit more as we got closer to recording. Was I was going to just start with George Fant because that kind of dictates a couple of the other news items that we had. Uh, George Fant, uh, I would assume everyone knows by now, is out for the season with an ACL and MCL, had uh, season-ending surgery. And uh, so that brought about a, a bunch of uh, other other moves. Do you want to kind of talk about that a little bit and the impact that has on the team? Well, it's really tough. Uh, it's tough for the team just because they had been uh, kind of banking on Fanta to be the starter there. He'd won the job outright. Um through a, a little bit of a competition, but it's it's even tougher for him because this is a guy who spent all off season really working hard. Uh, he Rebuilding about, his body. Yeah, yeah. He he gained about twenty five pounds of muscle. Went from looking like a large tight end to actually having the body of an offensive tackle. Um, you know, worked really hard uh, on his technique and just everything he needed to do to go from being. A basketball player with a little bit of football experience to guy who can actually hold his own, and I think for him to lose this season after all that hard work's got to be rough. The other thing that's hard is the extent of the injury. 
Uh, this isn't, you know, your typical just ACL tear where since it's early in the season, you can count on him being back ready for training camp next year. Uh, this is more like the Navarro Bowman injury that he had um, where he missed the entire next season. Now, granted, that was in January and this is in August, but it's still one of those things. It's going to be a very long road back for him uh, to get back on the field. And so it will his 2018 season is not a guarantee. It was that bad of an injury. So it it's just it's really rough for a guy who's put in the work and, and done what everything that anyone could have expected of him as far as getting ready to play this season. So. I, I did hear really that uh, that it was just short of any cartilage uh, damage in there, so they feel like it will repair. Uh, but uh, you're right; we just don't know exactly how long. And in, and based on how hard he works, Keith, I have every expectation that he's going to try to put himself in the best best position possible to be back uh, next year. Oh, I and believe we'll just, so too. We'll just, we'll just see what happens. Yeah, it's just it's just a long road back because he, you know. Uh, he had both of the, the ligaments in the front of his knee, and he also, um, you know, has a, a broken ankle in there, too, which is going to slow his rehab. So by the time everything heals, he's got to get range of motion back. He's got to build up all the strength in his leg again. It It's going to be a it's going to be tough. And it, this is one of those things where he'll get back. But will he get back on a timetable that fans are um, OK with? Because you know, I mean, that's that's kind of the expectation is that, oh, you you get hurt early this year, you're, you're ready to go for training camp next year. And that's not a guarantee given the, the extent of the injury. Well, I guess, you know, the if there is any good news for the team out of this is it did happen uh, earlier in in uh, preseason and we can sort of adjust, if you will, to that. Um, you know, my personal opinion is. While I really like Fant, he was ranked 76 out of 76 tackles last year in Pro Football Focus as far as uh, ranking tackles is concerned. Now, I don't put everything into that, but you know this wasn't a premier tackle in the league. He was a middling uh, left tackle in the league, if not closer to the bottom of the league. Now, granted, he improved. He improved his body this year and so forth, but we don't know exactly where he was going to be at as far as being a good left tackle. Um, so the Seahawks went out and made a couple of moves. Uh, they acquired offensive tackle Matt Tobin in a trade with Philadelphia. The Seahawks received Tobin in a seventh-round draft pick in 2018, and the Hawks sent out a fifth-round draft pick in 2018 back to the Eagles. Uh, Tobin started 21 games in his career, but none of them at left tackle, Keith. None of them at tackle itself. No, he st- he's he started at guard, but what he was in Philly was a swing backup, a guy who um, they had lined up uh, on their depth chart at tackle and at guard, and he, you know, played that swing role. And so where he needed, where he actually got on the field was was at guard. But he, according to him, he spent most of his practice time practicing at left tackle, so that's more of his natural position. So it is. Um, it's interesting to see where he'll end up. A lot of people are saying, oh, well, he's, you know, they they acquired him to replace Fant, and I don't actually don't think that's accurate. They required I don't think him, so either, Keith. They required, re, uh, acquired him to replace Reese Odiombo, who is Seattle's swing right. um, tackle guard on the left side, who is now going to be the starter 
at left tackle. They're, and they're so going to they give him the first chance to take yep. over that spot at left tackle. Now, what are the other uh, options on the table, Keith, if that should not work out? Um, well, the other options would be, so obviously Tobin, but he's not a guy that you're expecting talent-wise to start. Um, this would be more of a, a Bradley Soul type. Um, th- at one point, they said Ethan Posick, but then... Uh, Tom Cable has since come out and said, no, they're yep. just going to le- leave him on the right side. He's a rookie. He doesn't need to add another position that he has to try and learn um, as a rookie. So they're they're not going to do that. Uh, they went out and signed um, tackle Tyrus Thompson, who is a free agent. Uh, he was a free agent for a reason. He's more of a camp body than anything. But, um, yep. you know, obviously they'll give him a they'll give him a look. Uh, just to see, but he was more there because, you know, Fant's gone and Justin Sr. has been hurt and they just needed another guy who could play tackle and get, you know, all the reps there. Plus with Posick uh, now focusing on guard and center uh, and not going to get as many uh, reps at tackle, they they just needed someone else. Uh, And then finally, the last option, which is the one the Seahawks don't want to use, is uh, left guard Luke Jokel, who was um, a left tackle for most of his career, all of his college career. Um, most of his career, he's been a left tackle. He didn't switch to guard until last year. Uh, but the Seahawks really want to leave him at guard. They think he's a better guard. They think that uh, when you by moving him out to tackle, you make both positions tackle and uh, guard weaker uh, for you know, with this one injury, rather than just making one position uh, weaker, and they don't really want to right. uh, go into that. So those are kind of the options that they have there. Uh, honestly, right. it comes down to Risadiambo and really nobody else. Boy, isn't that right, Keith? You know, and it's a it's a tough deal because uh, <laughs> we actually thought the offensive line was looking pretty good this year as far as depth and all that kind of stuff. But the one guy that you <clears throat> really didn't want to have go out, went out in Fant, because that was kind of the keystone that made everything else <clears throat> line up correctly. And so now if Odiambo is going to be out there on the left side, Jokel can stay next to him, and hopefully that works out there. You can keep Britt at center, uh, Aboshi or Posick at right guard, and then Afedi looks like he's got that right tackle spot, although I've got question marks about him. I mean, to normal fans, you could really look at this and go, well, this would make the most sense. <clears throat> Let's go ahead and throw Jokel out there at left tackle. He's got all the experience out there. It makes that transition easy. Let's move Glow back over to the left guard spot because he played that last year and he's used to it. We can keep Britt at center, Oboshi or Posick at right guard, and then we can keep a Fetty. That would put the best five in a position to be the most successful. That's kind of the, uh, the immediate thought process that I had, but the team shot that down pretty quick in favor of the continuity that they've built in the off season. Well, and part of it is that when you look at, um, look at Russell Wilson and his skill set, he is much better at avoiding pressure from the outside than he is at avoiding pressure up the middle. Um, so they want to protect his center. Right? It's, I know, um, traditionally you look at uh, offensive lines and you build them from the outside in, right? You start with the tackles because that's, um, you know, the, considered the more more important position on the line. You work your way towards the inside. Whereas, but when you've got uh, 
a quarterback with Russell Wilson's skill set, building from the inside out actually works really well. And it's the same thing that the Saints have traditionally done with Drew Brees, uh, is they've built their lines from the inside out and really get, made sure to, to uh, solidify that center of the line and not so much the tackles. And when you look at what's go- gone on in the preseason this year, and if you go back to 2015, you'll see that when he gets that protection in the middle, he's able to get the ball out really quick. And that kind of negates the fact that the tackles are weak at pass blocking. And so the you end up with a situation where you can mitigate the talent deficit at tackle if your center is good. Uh, not just the center position, but the center and the guards, center of the yep. line. And so that seems to be the, the, the direction that the Seahawks are going. They want to leave Jokel at um, at guard because him and Britt uh, and probably Aboshi give them a solid veteran center of the line. They're, they're all proven guys. They're all veteran guys. They're all really good at what they do. Um, and it really just kind of allows the tackles to be the weak point and not have it kill Seattle's passing game. You're exactly right, Keith. And, you know, you can't forget about the run game either. We've got some good continuity there and an actual uh, promise this year to have a pretty decent run game just from our running back talent. So we can get that line uh, having a good push off there. Um, it makes sense to, to leave it the way it is, especially Jokel there at left guard. Um, and, and that move, uh, the, the, the overall move, too, tells me that the team doesn't have confidence that Jokel's fully come back from his knees, that they feel like he can move laterally uh, over to the left side to protect that, that left side as good as Odiambo can. Now, Odiambo may be a lot more raw currently, but I think it probably gives them the best chance of success. So what are we looking at, Keith, then, <clears throat> coming out of camp? We're looking at... Uh, Odiambo at left tackle, Jokel at left guard, Glowinski, uh, Brett at, at center, Glowinski, or Odi- or uh, Aboshe at right guard. Um, I kind of see Glowinski uh, taking that spot as opposed to Aboshe, and the only reason I say that right now is that they didn't move him immediately over to left guard and have Jokel over at left tackle. I thought that kind of gave a nod to Glow that they wanted him to stay over there. Now, that's just me. I'm just reading the tea leaves there. And then a Fetty over on the right side. My, <clears throat> I'm not as concerned about Odiambo as I am about a Fetty when it comes to uh, play in the games, Keith. Uh, there was one play. I wrote it down in my notes uh, in the, I think it was the third quarter, where um, Johnson uh, on the Vikings defensive line um, – well, actually, that was a different play. But there was a there was a play where <clears throat> uh, a Fetty just got completely ran by, uh, just around the side, like he wasn't even there, like he was just a ghost. Yeah, and he opened opened up his hips and his shoulder, and it was a straight. Yeah, just yeah, it was Hunter. A, a Hunter, line. defensive end, ran, ran around yep. a Fetty like he wasn't there, and that was yeah, in the first he, quarter, by the way. So that and that, of course, is going to be his weakness. He just has slow feet. Um, he's not going to be able to get outside. Uh, he is kind of a slower version of uh, Breno Giacomini. Um, but the thing is that most Seahawks fans think favorably of Breno because of the fact that he had Zach Miller parked beside him all the time, who is 
a tight end, but he blocks like an offensive tackle. And so it was right. You know, and Effetti doesn't have that luxury. I did notice Keith that we had a lot of tight ends moving inside on the, on the second preseason game against the Vikings to block. I mean, I, that was where Vanette was almost the entire game and they had swoops in there and they had, um, they had Marcus Lucas in there um, until so before, until he got hurt. Yeah, right. So I mean, that's one of the things. Like fans are are looking at. And they're like, "What's where's uh, Nick Vanette? Why isn't he showing up? Why is he, um, you know, is why is he such a ghost out there? Because they're essentially using him like a sixth offensive lineman. He is in there blocking every time he comes in. He lines up uh, right next to the offensive tackle. They've got him blocking, pass blocking. They've got him run blocking. It's that's what they've got him doing right now, right. and he's he's and, pretty and good the reason at it, they so. and the reason they do that, Keith. Well, for obvious reasons, but it gives um, it gives Wilson that extra second um, to not have to worry about at least one side of the offensive line because if if Wilson had to worry about Odiambo on the left and he had to worry about Effetti on the right. I don't know how effective that he would be this year. I mean, those guys are going to be turnstiles. Um, that's going to make it kind of tough for Wilson this year. And I was thinking Fant might hold that left side down just enough, just to clip those guys out there on the on the left side, and Wilson could probably not have to worry about it quite as much and just concentrate on Fetty's side. And now I'm not sure. Well, I mean, yeah, they're going to use tight ends and they're going to use their running backs, and they're going to do things so that way. Wilson knows which direction to try and escape because they'll give him an out by giving uh, the tackle some help. But the other thing to think about is, so a lot of us are, when we watched the game um, last week and we looked at um, Reese Odiambo and we're like, wow, he was a turnstile against backups. It was like, it was bad. Uh, And and that's the initial view. And, And a lot of that comes from, you know, that first series in the third quarter when he goes out yeah. there and it's he gets beat three consecutive plays and the Seahawks go three and out. Um, but you go back and, and rewatch, go, you know, when Fant gets hurt and Adiambo comes in, um, you know, for the, the end of the second quarter and then as the game progresses, because he played out there, you know, throughout the third quarter too, the overall body of work was much better than what we considered when we just were looking at the, that set of plays. It just, that one series stands out because it was so bad. But the rest of the game, he actually played pretty well. So I think Well, that, and he spent most of his camp, you know, practicing at left guard. Yeah, he has. So, I mean, he's been, he's been splitting time. But yeah, he's more time at guard than at, uh, than at tackle. And now he's going to get a chance to, okay, you're the starter. You're going to get all the starters reps. You're going to get to get comfortable in that position, you're going to get a chance to, to really just focus on one thing. And I I think we're going to see him step up and be better than we expect, but that doesn't mean he's going to be good just because our expectations have been so low. Um, (laughs) But I do think he's going to be better than most fans are expecting. Awesome. You know, that's, that's good news. And I always have high hopes for uh, Odiambo because I liked him when we drafted him. I just, he wasn't quite ready yet for the big leagues, but uh, a year under his belt and another camp, and now he's getting thrown out there and we'll see if he can 
take the reins because if he can, that really helps us out. So I always have hope for that. So kind of want to focus now uh, back towards our original notes for the show just so I don't completely lose my place and we kind of talk about the offensive line for 45 minutes and that's the end. So we've got a lot of, right, right. We've got a lot of information about a lot of other players. Let me finish with a couple of uh, uh, news notes. Justin Britt signed his three-year contract extension. Just give me a quick 30 seconds of reaction on Justin Britt's contract. Oh, it's a great contract. Um, you look at three years, $27 million, uh, and people think, wow, that's $9 million a year. That's that's pretty well paid, but it's really not for a couple of reasons. One, he's he's got a current his current year counts too because it's an extension and he's still got a full year. So it's actually four years and only twenty eight and a half total. So it's right. Um, it's very palatable. It puts him about fifteenth uh, in the league as far as compensation for centers, which I think he's a better center than that. But the other thing is, there's only five million yeah. guarantees. Yeah. If he completely just bottoms out and regresses back to the awful whatever. 2015 form, the Seahawks don't ha- aren't tied to this contract. They can walk away from it. So that's so I that's just really am just am, I continually amazed, Keith, at how John Snyder builds this team because I guarantee when if John Snyder ever leaves, and gosh, I just hope he spends his entire career with us. Um, we are going to notice such a huge difference in the way that contracts are done, players are treated, the type of uh, talent that comes in. Um, I, he just doesn't get enough credit. We talk about him all the time as being great, but my goodness, that's a great contract for the Seahawks. The other uh, guy that we signed uh, last week, right before the game, was Tremaine Brock, cornerback, on a veteran minimum deal. Uh, he was cut earlier in the year from San Francisco, when some domestic violence uh, issues popped up uh, for him, and they let him go. And then it turned uh, out that he was not, um, you know, found guilty of those things and came up on the market. Seahawks did apparently extreme research on him and decided to bring him in. What do you think about that? Well, I think that um, the lack of, conviction in these kind of cases doesn't necessarily mean that nothing happened. There's just too many, too much evidence of, of yeah. these kind of cases that, that just disappear and I agree, uh, for various reasons other than, you know, guilt and that kind of stuff. So it's real, it's, it's a touchy situation for the Seahawks who already face a lot of criticism for drafting and employing Frank Clark. Um, so on a on a purely personal level, it's a it's a questionable move. On a financial side of things, you don't get a better contract than this. It's it's, it's not um, no guarantees. Yeah, well, and not only that, but it's um a it's 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 not just a veteran minimum. It's a um it's what's called a an um an MSB contract, a minimum salary benefit. And what that means is, even though they're paying him a certain amount. He does, not all of that money that goes to him counts against the salary cap. He counts the same against the salary cap as a second-year player playing at the second year, uh, the year two veteran minimum. So basically what that means is they get him for about five hundred grand of cap space, even though he wow. ends up making um, about eight hundred and sixty grand because of his um, years of experience. So... It, which that doesn't sound like that much because it's it's a little bit of wiggle room, but it does get what it 
what that does is it allows teams to continue to play veteran players and not just be like, you know what, we're you've been in the league for too long. We're going to not let we're just going to your your career's over because we don't want to pay and we'd rather pay this like uh kid who might not be as good. So it's kind of one of those things that was worked into the the CBA. So it it's one of those things that that helps teams and veteran players get deals done. Uh, but at the same time, there's no guarantees uh, and very rarely do these minimum salary benefit contracts actually work. They tend These players very rarely make teams um, just because the, you know, the, the rookie, the guy that they're comparing or, or the second year player, the one they're competing with tends to have more years of league control where if Brock comes in and plays well, now he's going to be a free agent after this year or he's going to cost a lot more too. Um, uh, to resign, so they tend to teams still tend to err on the side of the younger player, and you know we'll see what what goes on with Brock. He is a yeah. guy; he's a veteran. He's not a bad player. I think he gets a little bit more credit than he should for being a good player. Um, but one thing that he does do is he offers some versatility to play in the slot, which most of Seattle's cornerbacks can't do. Uh, they're just outside defenders. You've really got Lane and. Um, Shaquille Griffin as the guys who can play in the slot. They're trying really hard to make uh, DeAndre Elliott one of those guys, and it's been it hasn't looked hasn't gone well. He's struggled when they moved him into the slot, but they're trying to you know get him up to speed and make him uh, a slot corner. But we'll see. I, I, I it just hasn't looked good so far. So uh, yeah. getting Brock in give, gives them some flexibility in that regard. It just from a skills standpoint, you know, it probably puts him at, at the fourth best corner on the team at this point. Um, if you take a look at the entire position group, you know, you've got Richard Sherman, then you've got Jeremy Lane, you've got Shaq Griffin, and then you've got like four or five guys that are all kind of battling there. You've got uh, Brock, Pierre Desir, DeAndre Elliott, uh, Demetrius McRae is probably out of the loop at this point, uh, and Nico Thorpe and Mike Tyson that are all kind of mm-hmm. in there trying to vie for that fourth and fifth spot on the team. Um, and so you've got a, a couple of guys that you didn't think were going to be on the bubble looking in at the beginning of the preseason or beginning of camp, and now you do in, say, a guy like uh, Pierre Desir and DeAndre Elliott, who I thought were two guys that had a real legit chance of making the team. Now, they still might, but well, it's they, tough I now. Think they, I think they will. Well, I don't think Elliot will. I think Elliot will land on the practice squad. Mike Tyson has struggled to switch positions to corner. I think he lands on the practice squad. I do too, Keith. Um, and so those two guys, you know, you kind of take them out, and it becomes three guys for two spots between Brock Desir and Thorpe. Um, and, you know, Thorpe's yeah. got the, all the special teams experience, so he'll he'll have a chance to do that, and so then it comes down to you know, the other two. And if you look at the depth chart, especially this last week, who played early, um, who was treated like a, the guy or, you know, higher on the depth chart. And I'll tell you the first guy who came off the bench at cornerback was Pierre Desir. And he looked uh, good, Keith. And just solid. I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's well, a solid guy. One of the things that's, that's interesting is if you look at, you know, the Seahawks left Shaquille Griffin in, uh, he didn't just play with the starters. He started and played over there, but then he played with all the backups and, you know, played into the fourth quarter. They left him in there to get the extra reps and everything. Well, it's one thing for the teams to 
pick on him when Richard Sherman's the guy on the other side, because you're not going to throw at Sherman very often, so you're going to throw it at the rookie. Well, when Sherman came out, it was Desir who came in and took over uh, Sherman's spot, and what happened? They continued to pick on the rookie. They, he, uh, Desir was in there for like the entire second quarter and into the third, I think, and not did not have a single target in his direction. They they threw to the other side of the field every right. single time, every single pass. And, and you know, that, more, most folks don't see that, don't recognize that, or even look at that in a, in a, especially in a preseason game. Uh, but the team sees that. Oh, absolutely. So I just have I I really have a hard time seeing um, seeing Desir not make this team. He is um, if you look at the tape, he uh, to me he has been the second best corner um, on this roster behind Sherman. Um, now, granted, part of that is because Lane hasn't played because of, he's been banged up, and because Griffin is a rookie. Now Griffin is athletic as all get out, and this kid will be a star. But he's a he's a rookie. He's raw. He's still, um, you know, fighting through the the growing pains of learning the kick step technique, um, and all of that. So, I think he will be the second best corner on this team very shortly, very yes. soon. But he's if, real close right now. I mean, Jeremy Lane's yep. got him on experience, but Jeremy Lane gives up those underneath throws as well. Shaquille mm-hmm. Griffith, that's where he's at right now. He's given up the, that underneath stuff. His cushion maybe is a little bigger than the team would like it to be eventually. But you can't argue with the fact that Griffin looks terrific on the long balls. I mean, he's playing the yeah. ball really well. He's putting himself in a position to make plays, to either bat balls down or or possibly get an interception. He's been close a couple times on, on uh, having an interception. Uh, the team itself has been amazing on turnovers this year. I think we've already got six turnovers and turned that into quite a few points. Um, I couldn't be more happy with the, with the way the defense is playing in the preseason. Oh, the defense has been playing great. I, I really like what I'm seeing from uh, the secondary. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, there's been some disappointments, guys. It's like, um, you know, Tedrick Thompson hasn't been that backup yeah. free safety you know that that Earl Thomas backup that we really wanted him to be. He's also a rookie. Let's give him some more time to develop and and learn and and that kind of stuff. And but you know with KJ Wright been out, the the linebackers I thought have stepped up and played pretty well, um, which was yeah. kind of surprising because the the linebackers are KJ Wright, Bobby Wagner, and then everybody else. Well, the everybody else <laughs> is better this year, so they've been able to yeah. make up for that KJ Wright um, injury. Uh, the defensive lines played well. I still think they're missing a little bit of that inside pass rush. Yeah. I, I think they miss uh, Malik McDowell and that because of his injury. But at the same time, it's been better this year than right. last year. Guys like well, Nas, Nas Jones Nas has Jones been Jones huge. Has up. Yeah, it's been he's been a huge surprise. Like I mean, we kind of expected him to come in and be good, but to come in and be this good this early, it's he looks like he's going to be real good. Well, and I think the team needed him. I mean. If you take a look at our defense without him, we're probably the same defense we were last year. And with him, it adds that just that little extra element of uh, pushing that pocket in, stuffing the run, uh, along with uh, Taya Rubin. Um, you're right, though. I am. There's a couple areas of concern that I have on the defense, and that's um, the way that the first team defense has looked, uh, preventing the run uh, in these first two preseason games. I think they could have been a little bit more stout but maybe they're kind of 
saving themselves a little bit and some of the vets aren't showing as much as they probably will in regular season games. The other issue is that interior pass rush, maybe even some of the exterior stuff too, because I'm just not seeing guys like Michael Bennett and Avril really now Avril a couple different times has, has put pressure on the quarterback, but not seeing a lot of that pressure from the outside in uh, on the Seahawks yet on defense minor concern i don't think it's going to be a huge issue because i think we are better overall than we were last year and last year we were pretty decent uh with our with our sacks and pressures um so i would like to see where we're at with that in this third preseason game that's probably one of the things i'm going to be looking at well one of the things to keep in mind with that is that um the pass rush calls you know the basically the the scheme is really vanilla in the preseason. So the Seahawks aren't doing a lot of stuff. They're not moving um, Michael Bennett around like they will once the regular season games go. They're um, sure they're rushing Avril off the edge, but they're not, they're not running stunts. And so they don't have that, that option in the, uh, in the offensive tackles mind that he might, you know, start outside and then cut back to the inside and, and some of those things. So they're, in a sense, they're making it easy on the opponent to slow him down. Uh, and that's by design. They, they're not going to give away uh, and, ha- and put all that tape out there uh, for their, you know, week one opponent and that kind of stuff. And, and it's it's just the way the preseason works. So I wouldn't be as worried about Seattle's vets. Just get be more excited about the young guys uh, because the guys yeah. that really are making an impact, guys like Naz Jones, um, you know, it, they're showing that they belong and it's it's cool to see a guy like that come in get reps in the you know with the ones and perform against yeah. starters so yeah I no think, Naz I Jones is definitely going to be in that rotation Keith yeah uh, there's a lot to the like defense. there yeah he's and he's gonna he's gonna be one of those guys that's uh you know definitely has a chance to be a rookie of the year on the Seahawks overall. I'm not talking about in the league probably because of that rotation. His numbers aren't going to be enough to, to stand out to the national media, but on the team itself, he could very well have the, the most impact of any other Seahawk player that's new to the team. Yeah. Him or him and Shaq Griffin, uh, I think are going to be the two guys battling out for that seahawk rookie of the year thing just that's, that's kind of my opinion going into yeah end of the season because they both look like they both look like they're going to be you know future members of this of the core of this team so sticking with the defense just for a little bit and then we'll move over to the offense and it seems like the offense this year is a lot a lot more fun to talk about than the defense just because it's just been explosive um mm-hmm. but on the defensive side uh, some of the other players that i'm noticing that are kind of coming along new to the team undrafted uh, draft picks, you know, free agents that kind of went under the the radar a little bit. David Bass is looking good as a defensive end. Um, a guy like uh, Christian French is is showing a little bit uh, on special teams, and, and um, I think he picked up a, f- a fumble and, and all that kind of stuff. Marcus Smith looks good. Rodney Coe looks good at defensive tackle. Um Taylor Harris made it made a pledge Quentin Jefferson I don't even know where he stands on the depth chart these days but because you're not hearing a lot about Quentin Jefferson uh, but you know there's another player that has potential to to give us some interior pass rush um, of course Jaron Reed's been looking pretty good Garrison Smith I mean there's all sorts of guys on that defense that I think are, are looking good especially on the on the front 
um, seven, if you include the linebackers too, we've got a whole bunch of linebackers that are making plays. There's a lot to be excited about. Yeah. I mean, it's there. The, one of the guys that you mentioned, uh, co is a guy that like, honestly, his, him showing up on the roster kind of just went completely unnoticed. And then all of a sudden in the first preseason game, I'm like, wow, who is that number 61 out there? Just being active and being disruptive. And I'm looking back at the, at the, um, at the roster. I'm like, Oh, that's who that is. And so let's go back and, and look at this guy and see, you know, what's going on and all of that. And, and it's just, a um, he's a guy that that's really surprising. Um, another guy is, uh, Liggett, who's also there, you know, the defensive line and the Seahawks just have these guys that are coming in and they're being disruptive and, and they're guys that fans aren't talking about, but, you know, they're showing a lot in these preseason games. They're really, um, you know, doing what they need to do. They're, they're yeah. active. They're, they're chasing things down. They're, they're making good, making plays. And I well, think and they've as, got as a lot a, of depth there. I, as a group there, they've had two good showings in a row uh, against San Diego, which is a great offensive team as a whole. Mm-hmm. I don't know about their second and third units, but uh, their, their starting units is, is really decent. And then the Vikings are supposed to be a pretty decent all around team and it wasn't even close i mean this the score at 20 to 7 uh, 20 to 14 20 to 13 sorry um was the final score in that game not that the score really matters at all in preseason but it wasn't even that close i mean we gave up that last touchdown with like two or three minutes to go in the game before that we were shutting them down all over the field forcing punts three and outs uh not giving them up any big plays per se um so overall, I think the team has, has been doing outstanding. And speaking of outstanding, you don't really have to look any further than like Russell Wilson because yeah. he's having an excellent preseason, an excellent camp. It looks like he's primed to be a candidate for player of the year, MVP. So before I talk about Wilson, I want to just mention that was a really clever segue. Just, that was nice going from the from the the bottom of the depth chart on the defense to switch over to the offense. That, that was that was stellar. I like that. Oh, um, okay, but so <laughs> Wilson has looked great, like outstanding, great. And you got to remember that this is the team hasn't even um, unleashed him in terms of any read option looks. Any oh, it's uh, vanilla so far, but Manny makes vanilla look good. Yeah, um, he makes Vanilla look real good. And part of that is what we were talking about earlier with the, with the offensive line. The center of the offensive line, Britt, Jokel, and whoever's playing right guard, whether it's Glow or Ibushi, are doing their job in pass protection really well. Uh, that lets Wilson get comfortable. He's getting the ball out really quickly. And it helps that he's got guys like Doug Baldwin and... Um, you know, uh, Paul Richardson and, and these guys to throw the ball to because they're getting open really quickly. He doesn't have to wait for these routes to develop. Yep. They're 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 oh getting open really early in the route so he can deliver yep. the ball on time. And it's it's been man, it's been the Seahawks offense when Wilson's been in there has not been one that looks like it can be stopped. And the scary part of that is if you're an opposing um defensive coordinator is that all of that the Seahawks haven't got their running game going yet. Yeah. They've, they have not got to where they can just pound the ball for, you know, and, and run it down your throat and then unleash Wilson, um, 
you know, as, as like a counterpunch to that. So when they get that running game going, this offense is going to put up a lot of points. You know, it seems to me that there has been a concerted effort uh, this preseason to have Russell Wilson get the ball out quick. And so th- there's been some quick hitting slants, some some uh, out and uh, in and out routes that don't take too long to develop. Um, and it seems like that's that's kind of been done on purpose. Now, sure, he's taken some shots down the field, and so is Boykin. But, um, you know, I think the all the underneath stuff has been there, and they've taken advantage of it. And that kind of builds momentum for Russell Wilson. And I think he needs that. He needs that little confidence boost right at the beginning. He's completing passes and so forth. And then he really gets a chance to turn loose um, when, he, when he takes advantage of all that underneath stuff. And, if, and you add the running game to that eventually. That over-the-top stuff is going to be there. And he's he's a master at uh, at the deep route. So I'm, it's just I couldn't be happier for him at this point and happier for the team because, you know, 13 for 18, 206 yards and a couple touchdowns in this game. He had a great game against San Diego. It'll be really nice to, to see what he does in two quarters plus a, a drive or two in the third quarter uh, in this upcoming game. Guys like Kassan Williams has been, you know, he's been taking advantage of Russell Wilson and Boykin's been uh, been pretty spot on with his accuracy as well. Um, it's given Kassan Williams a chance to make the team. Oh, absolutely! I think it was really telling that um, they got down, you know, near the goal line and they threw that fade to Jermaine Curse, which had no chance of, of being completed. And That's they come right. Back Keith. On, the ver- on the very next play. And throw the run the exact same route, throw the exact same ball, and Casey Williams goes up, hauls it in for a touchdown. Um, yeah. It's basically it was a, you know, it was one of those. You know what? If you're not going to make plays, we've got someone else on this roster who can make that play. Absolutely. Uh, type of situations, and yeah. it was great. The only the only problem with Casey Williams was that he had a second touchdown. He had it. It was in his hands, and he yes, dropped it. That's right, Keith. Um, but you know the what? Other, in the he, corner, he he followed up that jump ball touchdown. The very next play was the kick return, where he went down and had that textbook uh, leg tackle on the kick returner at the ten. Absolutely. Line. And if you're going to be the fifth wide receiver or the sixth wide receiver on the Seahawks, you better be able to play special teams. Well, and... that play likely secured his spot on the fifty-three. I mean, if he was on a bubble before that play, that play told the team that yeah. He's got to be yeah. on our roster. I think so, so too. I think and that, I think and that he, drop, go that ahead. drop was that drop was rough. I think he he has passed guys like Tanner McAvoy um, on the on the depth chart. He is up there competing with Curse for playing time. Yes, um, and you know if with uh, Darbo hurt and not able to get on the field, you know at this point, you know Williams is is basically competing for you know, maybe his spot on the depth chart and getting up above him so that he can get on the field more often. So that's kind of the, you know, kind of where, where we are. I don't, I, I don't think, uh, Casey Williams is going to have any issues making this roster. Now it's just a matter of how much will he see the field? Well, you mentioned a player that, uh, that I'm, I'm disappointed in, not necessarily for his play, but for his lack of play. And that's Amara Darbo. I feel bad for the guy because everything you read about him is glowing. His, um, you know, he makes tough plays. Carol says he's smart, good route runner. He plays fast. He can block, et cetera, et cetera. But he's 
not been able to do it in the games. He's been injured. Uh, he missed the first game because of a, an injury, and the second game on his first target, he got, he got a concussion. So we'll see what he can do this Friday. He's cleared concussion protocol for the team. He's going to be out there on the field on Friday. I, I got to see something for Darbo. Or unfortunately, he's going to be on the bubble, and I don't know that he's going to last uh, to, to get to our practice squad. Um, he won't. He and won't. so he'll that's get, a, he'll that's get a tough he's one, too, Keith. Too ta- too talented to 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 do that. I don't see him. I don't see him getting cut. Uh, the thing is that the preseason games are, you know, as fans we look at them, we see them, we 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 kind of see what's going on there. But the team sees these guys every day, not just in the games, but they they see them every day. All the plays they make against Seattle's really good defensive backs and that kind of stuff. And there's a reason why the coaches are glowing about Darbo. If they were thinking about trying to sneak him through to the practice squad, they would be leaking things about how he doesn't work hard or that he's struggling to pick up the offense. You know, they'd be basically trying to spin this to try and make other teams think twice about uh, claiming him. They're not doing that. They're talking him up, talking him up, talking him up. I think he's going to make the team. I I don't think it's a question, and if you look the parts of the practices that I've seen, he's looked really good. He knows he knows the offense. He is a a guy with uh, a a really nice skill set that's hard to find. I don't see him going anywhere. So, one guy that I want to make sure that we talk about before I forget, and it's hard to forget, Chris Carson. Um. To me, Keith, Chris Carson looks like the future Seahawks starting running back. He can play all three downs. He can catch, he's been catching the ball out of the backfield. Nice. He recognizes uh, defenses so that he can help uh, Wilson Bale out of plays. He can pick up blitzes. He can, you know, so he's a great blocker. Um, and he runs like nobody else on the team runs with his combination of size athletic ability and and acceleration um Rawls can't stay healthy he's got Rawls on size um Eddie Lacy Eddie Lacy doesn't have Carson's acceleration Eddie Lacy can catch have- the ball catch the ball out of the backfield but I'm I'm a little worried about Eddie Lacy he just doesn't look motivated I mean he doesn't look he like n- Chris Carson he has no he hasn't shown any burst any um he just isn't a guy that's really out there running hard. And maybe it's by design and the team's like, you know, keep him healthy. And he's kind of going through the motions. And then week one, he'll go out there and start running people over. But at this point, I'm telling you, uh, he's Eddie Lacy's not uh, in the four best running backs uh, on, know, the, on the roster. It, I'm but, worried. But at the same time, we don't... We, how far how how far along is Lacey in, in recovering from his injury? Um, is this is what we're seeing all that Eddie Lacey is, or are we seeing uh, you know, preseason a preseason version of him that we won't see on day one? We don't know these things. So I'm I'm not ready to write him off. But I am I am concerned a little bit, but at the same time I'm not because everything I see from Chris Carson is that he is the guy who maybe not in 2017, but 2018 and, and down the road, he's the guy who's going to be the 
uh, the what they call a bell cow back. That guy that's in there looks like it, Keith. Man, because he like looks it. he is a load to tackle. He's got way more speed than I ever expected. Uh, having watched his college tape, uh, a lot more just suddenness to his movement. He looks and really, all his carries, really Keith. I've only seen him stopped for a loss once where he didn't fall forward, and that was because our line completely blew uh, and whiffed a block, and and they caught him behind the line of scrimmage everything else he's fallen forward he's pushing guys back he's he's one and cut i mean i watched a play uh from a the perspective of the defensive back so it was a it was a shot from a camera that was in the end zone filming towards like the 30 or 40 yard line or whatever and they showed carson recognize the the line uh, where a defender defender was going to be and he made just a slight cut full speed he was at full speed in like two two steps and just immediately cut forward and ran the ball, you know, 10, 12 yards or whatever the, the pickup was. It wasn't that special of a play, but that showed me right there that he's just got that little extra something, that vision in addition to that speed and that size and that acceleration that you need to be a, a running back. And I don't know how we're going to keep him off the field. I mean, it's hard to keep a talent like that sitting on the bench when you got a guy like Eddie Lacy that's while Eddie Lacy's picking up, you know, four yards at a at a turn, he's not giving you anything extra special. He's not breaking away for you. He's not giving you an explosive play option. So if you got a guy sitting on the bench that has the ability to give you an explosive play now and again, I don't know how he can I don't know how he, they can keep him on the bench. Yeah. It, it, I mean the the team will the team has a uh, the luxury of having a lot of good running backs. Because if, if Thomas Rawls is healthy, how do you keep Thomas Rawls on the bench, right? Yeah. If C.J. Procise is healthy, how do you keep him on the bench? Talk about a kind yeah. of explosive player. Yeah, we um, haven't even talked but, about Mike Davis yet, which I like. Actually, yeah, he looked, he's, looked, um, he's looked really good. I mean, he's looked way more... Way more explosive than he than he did has since because he was okay. Mike Davis, <laughs> Mike Davis was one of those running backs I really liked in college. He was a guy that I was watching and I was like, okay, this guy looks like a Seahawk running back and someone that I was kind of hoping they'd draft. And then he got hurt, and so he kind of just fell off the radar and never really lived up to you know the expectations that are that he had pre injury, um, and then. You know, the Seahawks grab him and you're like, OK, well, what do you get? This is the this preseason is the first time he's looked like pre-injury Mike Davis since his junior year in college. And to me, that's a that's a big thing. I like what I'm seeing from him. I really think he's got a chance to uh, he'll make a roster. I don't think it's the Seahawks roster. Yeah, that 30 w- yard uh, that 30 yard catch that he had for a touchdown where where uh, Williams was out there blocking. <laughs> quote unquote, the defender out there about 10 yards off the line of scrimmage. And um, Williams didn't block him. He just stood there and the defender <laughs> was going to make a tackle and Davis put a juke on him and, and scampered in for that touchdown. Yep. That was nice. That was real nice. Yeah. So, I, and so it's, it's just, there's that there's there. He, he's running with good vision. He's seeing yeah. those cut back lanes. Um, he's he's everything that I wish Collins would have been for us. When we drafted I, Collins, I had hope that Collins would be that guy that could could really, you know, play with that um, speed and the and the vision and so forth. And I haven't seen enough out of Collins yet. Plus, he had that fumble 
towards the goal line, we were going to put up another score. And I just don't know about Collins. I mean, he's just not going to beat Davis even, I don't think, for a, for a spot. When you talk, say that a guy is the sixth best running back on our on an NFL roster, you generally think that, God, this guy must be bad. Collins isn't a bad player. I mean, he's not a great player. He was never going to be a standout, but he's not a bad player. Um, he is a guy who was probably the best running back on Seattle's roster down the stretch last year. Um, you know, with Rawls dealing with injuries and, and all of that, and then they had all the other injuries with Procise out and all of that. Collins was the guy who stepped up and provided the st- stability the Seahawks needed. I mean, he is a decent player. He is just in a position where the Seahawks are loaded with good players at the position. So I, yeah. I don't see him making the team. I, I see them hoping to find a trade partner for him. I don't think they'll get one, especially after that fumble, unless he comes out and has a pretty good game yeah. uh, this week uh, and maybe in preseason week four. Just it's it's going to be hard to showcase him, and so I, I could see definitely see him, you know, missing missing out, having that bubble pop for him, which is too bad because I well, I kind of like uh, Alex Collins. What are we going to do, Keith, um, about Rawls and Procise? I mean. These are two guys that are definitely, when healthy, the two most uh, talented runners on the team that we have, the guys that are the most explosive, that have the ability to really make big plays for us, but they can't stay on the field. And if you can't stay on the field, what do you do with that group? I mean, who do you keep? Do you keep one extra running back because of that situation? Do you, what happens to a guy like McKissick, who you want to be on, be a special teams guy? Is McKissick completely fallen off now? Um, you know, what does it do to our wide receiver group as far as when the cutdowns come? How does it impact that? What do you see? Well, I see them keeping four running backs and then Marcel Reese as a fullback, so five backs, which is one extra, and so therefore you got to, that extra player has to come from somewhere. Um, now granted, the CX only keep two quarterbacks, so that's generally where that one extra comes from. Um, but yeah, it is going to be one of those things where you have a guy like McKissick who, for all intents and purposes, should make this roster as the returner, but might not because the Seahawks have to keep an extra running back because you cannot depend on... Rawls and Procise to be healthy for well that the bulk Keith and we season. can't cut it we can't cut anybody and expect him to land on the practice squad yeah absolutely so we're in a tough spot normally so, you can cut a, a running back and expect them to land on a practice squad uh, this year it's just not going to happen now we might luck well, out and Collins might end up being available and so forth but or Mike I, Davis I, or Mike Davis it it could happen either of them could end up there and I think that's part of the reason why I mean. Uh, we're going to see a lot of of Chris Carson because he is that guy who has so far not shown any injury concerns whatsoever, and he can play. And so we're going to see a lot of him, and we'll get doses of Rawls and CJ Procise when those guys are available. And you know, it's okay that if you go into a season expecting Rawls to be available for eight to 10 games and process to be develop, be available for six to eight games, you can deal with that when these guys are on these rookie contracts where you're paying them nothing. As soon as they, you need a, 
to actually pay them, if you're going to have to pay them, you know, two and a half million dollars uh, to be on the team, you're going to be expecting them to actually be available. And both of those guys have to show they can stay healthy here fairly soon or teams aren't going to be willing to pay them when they're sec- when it's time for their second contract. So let's move forward, Keith, and talk about uh, what's coming up on Friday. <clears throat> we can talk a little bit about uh, some players as it relates to that and what you'd like to see out of the third game. Uh, the, the interesting thing this year is that all the cuts down to the 53-man roster will come after the, the fourth game, so we'll definitely talk about that uh, in the podcast um, that relates to that as far as the roster and where we think cuts will come and, and all that stuff. That'll be an interesting show. But for this game against Kansas City on Friday night, um, what are you looking for out of this game? And are there any players in particular that you've got your eye on? Okay, so this is the game that's considered the dress rehearsal, right? So you get uh, the starters will play a lot. They usually will play the entire first half and then come out for one series in the second half. So they kind of get that feel of um, playing, going to halftime, and then coming back out and, ha- and having to be emotionally up and ready to play again. Um, so the, you're going to see a lot of, of, of the starters. And this isn't one where you're, you're going to see a lot of the guys that are battling for their job. Uh, and that's kind of unfortunate because I think that those are the players they need, those players need it more than the starters do. I know it's a little hard to uh, stomach for fans because they want to see the starters play. But what I'm looking for in this, since that's what we're looking at is I want to see, I want to, I'm going to be, my eyes are going to be watching um, Reese Adiambo at left tackle. I want to see him, step up and show that he can do the job and not, he doesn't have to be great. Just show me that you're not going to be a complete liability. Um, can a Fetty, even if we know he's going to be uh weak in pass blocking, can he dominate as a run blocker to make it worthwhile? I want to see the running game really get going and consistently have success. Um, those are the types of things that I'm looking for in offense. On defense, you know, get in there and stop the run in the the first couple series. Like, actually, yeah. actually stop the run. You know, with the starters, uh, get some, get the pass rush going. Do that kind of stuff. Can and then ultimately, can Shaq Griffin uh, do enough that he stops getting picked on by opposing quarterbacks? Uh, because he, I think needs he's going to be picked on just by the nature of Richard step. Sherman. True, but at the same time, like, you know, look at what guys like Byron Maxwell did opposite Richard Sherman. And he played, you know, was was a guy that actually played really well over there and and didn't give up a lot of catches and a lot of yards and that kind of stuff. So um, I like to see, see Griffin step his play up a little bit and basically not uh, not just be the uh, place that quarterbacks look. Make them think twice about throwing in your direction make them challenge Richard he, Sherman a little bit more often so does he need to do that by playing a little bit more press he does he needs to actually get up on the receiver and play um get, you know get in and, and not play off because that's what's happening is uh in order to not be beat deep he's playing a lot of off coverage and um you know turning and running 
And it's not that he doesn't have the speed. He totally has the speed to do it. It's just, you know, that's the team philosophy, right? Uh, cover cover the deep ball first and then worry about coming up. And if he can, he, if he can come up and play press, take away some of the short, easy passes, um, and still turn and run and not get beat deep, he'll be a really good player. And I think that's like the next step for him. And I want to see him do, do that more in this game. Because if he can... Once he starts doing that, then he's earned that job to be the full-time starter there. Uh, until he starts to do that, he's a guy being given the reps because he's this really uber-talented rookie who's not ready, but he's this really talented rookie, and they want to get him to that point. So uh, I know it's a fine line, but I just really want to see him step up and do that right now. So are there any position groups uh, as a whole that you'll have your eye on that you might be concerned about that you want to see them other than the offensive line which i already know um another position group Wait, that how, you can how look would at you, how would you know that i'm going to watch the offensive line um no the other the other group that I mean, i'm going to be speak looking about at... the offensive line and that's totally fine because it's totally <laughs> warranted right but you know what's another group that you'll have your eye on the other group i'll have my eye on are linebackers um because with you know with kj Wright's injury uh, it's being get your you're seeing uh, Garvin and Wilhoit being given a lot of reps and a lot of opportunities to show that they what they can do that they belong that kind of stuff and so that those guys uh, that group I want to see I'm going to be watching them really closely when the defense is on the field because they need to prove that they are the upgrade uh, depth that we believe they are and. You know, with KJ out, that it gives them the opportunity to do that. I think Garvin actually has a chance to. You know, when they signed him, it was, it was thought, oh, he's this is a guy who's going to come in and be a special teamer, and instead he has looked good at the um, Sam linebacker spot, and now he's being given a chance to uh, start at the the Will linebacker spot, which is KJ's spot. So, give him a chance to really show off his skill set, and I think I think we're going to see some good things from him. So, uh, I'll, yeah. I will definitely have my eye on that group. Where do you think Mike Morgan is this this year? I mean, it looks like, you know, compared to last year, we've just got a lot more options uh, in our toolbox this year um, before the final cutdowns are set. Um, you know, I actually have no idea <laughs> because he is a guy that last year he was the presumed starter. I know he was injured um, early in the year, and so we had other guys playing the position and then he came back and, and, and did his thing. But I, we just don't know where he stands because you've got Garvin and Wilhoit who seem to be above him yep. on the depth chart. To, yep. So does that mean that uh, he's going to make it because he can play special teams and whatever, and it gives them a veteran back? He might be trust? battling with or, DJ Alexander that came onto the team uh, late. Um, yeah. To be looking that at... Trade with Kate, uh, Right. To, yeah. to see whether or not they're going to play so, I mean, special teams. And if that's if that's the position group that they're going to take their special team specialist with. I mean, it might come down to him and say McKissick. Yeah. And then you also have um, another guy is Dewey McDonald, who was a safety uh, until the Seahawks signed him and they moved him to linebacker. He's he's too small. I mean, he's like 220 pounds. Um which is small for a linebacker. He has actually put on a little bit um, uh, of body mass 
uh, since arriving. So I think he's up to like 228 now, but he's still on the small side for, for a linebacker, but the, but he has made plays in this preseason, like not just, um, you know, on special teams, which is where he makes his mark, but he's actually come in and gotten upfield and made some plays in the backfield against the run. So he's looked good too. And so you've, you don't count him out as being that, um, fifth or sixth, linebacker that's really there as a special teamer but they trust to come in if they have to ha- have to go that low on the depth chart so i'm going to give you a small list of players one at a time give me 10 15 seconds on each one like thoughts what you need to see if they're going to make the team etc uh blair walsh oh he's kicked very well he'll make the, make the team i'm not i'm not concerned at all at this point joey hunt um, Joey Hunt is a guy that has been as advertised. He's looked okay. Um, his lack of size means he can't play guard, and the lack of versatility, I think, will keep him off the roster, and Posick will be the backup center. David Bass, defensive end. It's so hard to judge him because he get, doesn't get on the field until the fourth quarter, and he's playing against guys that aren't going to make the opposing team's roster. But when he does get on the field, he makes plays. He's like the best guy out there uh, in the fourth quarter with all these guys that are four stringers. Um, hopefully he gets some reps you know, earlier in the game against better competition so we can get a better evaluation for him. Marcus Smith, defensive end. Again, same you know, same sort of I, thing. Same sort of thing, uh, and and I think that Bass is is got him. If you're if you're if you're picking a guy just on a talent perspective, you're taking Bass over Smith. Um, I'm not sure, Smith Keith, is, and, and I and then the only reason I say that is because Smith has got you know the I think he's a better pass rusher than David Bass. David Bass plays the run a little better. That's just me. That's my perspective. So I give a little bit more well, to the Smith to is the also pass a rusher. younger a younger player. And that always, that always gives him the advantage. Uh, Jaron Reed. Oh, Reed's the starting nose tackle. Uh, I mean, no, I know, I know, I know but what is your impressions about him so far? <laughs> has he, has he, oh, been... he, he has, he has done what he always does. He is uh, a two gapping uh, nose tackle. He doesn't move the pocket. He doesn't, you know, rush the passer, but he, occupies um the center and or a guard and doesn't get moved off the ball and is is an important cog in the center of that defense does he have anything to do with the fact that teams have been able to run on our first team defense in the, in the first quarters of these last couple games no because they aren't playing they're the seahawks are mixing in you know they're putting naz jones at, at defensive end they're um, moving a tire Ruben into nose tackle. The Seahawks are doing all sorts of weird things on their, their, uh, with their defensive line rotation. They're not playing guys in the role that the down and distance would dictate. So I'm not concerned. Mark Lewinsky. Uh, you know, he's in a weird spot. The Seahawks are, seem to be looking at, um, Abushi mainly just because of the veteran presence, and they really want to fix that, especially since they've Mark got Lewinsky's two new a th- third-year guard. He is, but he's only got one year of starting experience, and it wasn't it wasn't a great year. Um, 
And so I don't think he's being given, I don't think it's been a completely fair competition. He needed to outright beat Abushi in order to um, become the starter. And you have, it's close enough that they're going to go, they're going with a veteran who will make less mistakes. Uh, I still think that Glowinski is a guy that will be a starting guard in the NFL for for during his career, like for the most of his career. Uh, it may not be at the start of this season. Do you think some of the guys we mentioned earlier um, put Quentin Jefferson uh, on on the bubble for any reason? Have you seen enough out of Jefferson this preseason? Um, honestly. It's hard to te- it's hard it's that's hard to say because you there becomes um quality of competition differences. Jefferson's in there with the starters and you know a guy like Leggett is in there against third and fourth stringers. Um uh, so I don't think they've put him on the bubble, but at the same time they have made me question whether or not uh Quentin Jefferson is actually a special player and someone that that we need to be counting on in the long term. And so, yeah, I guess you'd say that, I mean, I, I think Jefferson's safe for this year, but he needs to show more in order to, in order for him to be part of the long-term plans. Delano Hill. Oh, I think he, of the, of the two rookie safeties, he's the guy that stepped up and played really well. I like, I like the way that he, I like the way that he hits. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's looked very good at at strong safety, and I've been I've been impressed. I think that you know, like I said, of the, of the two safety picks, he's the guy that seems to have panned out and and been what was advertised. Jimmy Graham, do you think that Jimmy Graham's uh, going to have such a year that we have to pay him next year, or do you think we're going to give him an extension before the season ends? Um, Jimmy Ram- Graham is in bubble wrap right now. Uh, he, Apparently, he was, yes. he was, a, he was entirely healthy, um, was not on the list of players who was not expected to play because, you know, there's no injury report for preseason, but they, the team still gives out the list of not expected to play. He was not on that list, uh, but yet he was in street clothes last week. Um, uh, so essentially he's just, they've wrapped him in bubble wrap and said, yep, we're not doing anything with him that preseason wait for week one. Um, and it's so it's you know people are making people are talking about oh you know why did you know it's, it's such a terrible trade and they're not going to use them again no they're just protecting him because it's preseason and these games don't matter um, I I don't think the Seahawks are going to be able to resign him before he hits the open market Wow um, they've got space you, they've got space next year if you're Jimmy yes. Graham if you're Jimmy Graham this the Seahawks are going to have to open up their wallet and really pay you to not Franch- hit the open market franchise tag. <coughs> well, franchise tag. <coughs> and that's, and, and that's an option. And that's something that they'll, they, they hold there has, as has leverage. John Snyder used a franchise tag since he's been here. I want to say he has not. That's crazy. Cause we used to use it as a franchise all the time. And it's, it's been so long. I can't even remember. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a negotiation point for the Seahawks to, you know, they have that. They're like, look, you know, we we can franchise you, and you know, so let's let's get this done. 
Uh, but I don't know if, one, if they'll do that, and two, if you're Jimmy Graham, it might be worth it to risk it because, you know, why would you sign an, like an $8 million a year contract with Seattle, which is what I've seen a lot of people predict he'll get, um, when you can hit the open market and expect someone like um, maybe Cleveland or, you know, one of those teams that's trying to make that a, a big jump to, to drop 10 or $12 million in your lap. Um, and guarantee a bunch a bunch of extra money, and so I could see him um, just waiting it out, just playing the waiting game. Be like, okay, let's 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 let this go, and not you know worry about it till the off season. Interesting. Yeah, I think overall, you know, what I want to see on Friday uh, for the team uh, number one is just no injuries. I just don't want to have any more injuries. Uh, all these guys deserve to play. Uh, I think the team at full strength going into the season is going to be a juggernaut. I, I could easily see 12 wins out of this team uh, just because of the way that the offense is looking right now. Um, you know, I want to see a player like Chris Carson have some reps with the starters uh, on uh, offense on Friday because uh, I think that he's got a chance um, to, to jump into that starting role if uh, Rawls can't make it. And Lacey looks like he's underperforming. I think Carson's right there. And, you know, he's got a chance. If there's a guy on offense that has a chance to be, you know, rookie of the year, it would be Chris Carson because all it would take would be Rawls go down, uh, Lacey's underperforming, they throw Carson in there, and that guy looks like he could pick up 1,200, 1,300 yards in a season um, to me. And and so that's kind of a fun player I'm going to keep my eye on on uh, Friday. Um, other than that, uh, I, the team looks great. I mean, this third game should be a nice tune-up. Um, I'm looking for the same continuity on offense as far as being able to move the ball, score some points, and the defense to shut down the run. Um, and um, I think everything else falls into place. So looking forward to the game on Friday. Any other final thoughts, Keith, before we let this thing go? No, just I'm with you. No more injuries. Uh, losing Fant was enough. You know, let's get out of this preseason without losing any other starters. Please, please, please. Yep. All right. Awesome. Good podcast, Keith. Thanks for uh, for being on the show again. Absolutely, for sure. Um, we are at hawksplaybook.com. You can find the uh, all the podcasts there are archived and ready for you to listen to. You can find us on uh, iTunes and on, um, what's the other one, Keith? Sorry. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. You can subscribe there on your uh, on your app. Uh, any podcast player app, you can subscribe. Um, you can find Keith on Twitter at MyersNFL. I am at NW Seahawk. The show is at Hawks Playbook. Um, until next time, I think we're going to try to record a day earlier uh, after the next game, or maybe I, I'm pushing for Monday at this point, only because there's other some other shows that are getting out in front of us, and it feels like we're not able to review the games very well. Uh, yeah, these the, that we're having recording these games later. on on Friday is a little weird, but we'll uh, we'll get it. And uh, once the regular season gets here, a nice easy uh, weekly That's schedule true, will Keith. definitely happen. So. That's that's true. That's true. Okay. Until next time, Keith. Until next week. Yep. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you later and have a great weekend and uh, enjoy the game. 
Thanks for listening, everyone. Hey, Hawks fans. Thanks for listening to the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Blog Talk Radio and listen to all of our shows on hawksplaybook.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at Hawks Playbook. Bill is at NWC Hawk and Keith is at Myers NFL.